Welcome to the Higher Self Podcast. My name is Pete Gilfell, and I'm here with my business partner, Nat Truitt, and we're all about helping people become business people or become better business people. Good morning, Sean. Hey, Pete. I'm not Nat. Nat's not here again? Is he on sabbatical again? Yeah, it looks like it. Unbelievable. He's he's slacking off here. Well, you're stuck with me then, So, uh, but I'm super excited for today. Why? Why, you ask? Well, of course. I get to test drive the all new GT Mach-E. So the, the Mach-E, the GT, the fast one. I get to try that out this weekend. Yeah, how fast are you gonna drive? Well, I, I don't know, but zero to 60 in 3.5 seconds. That's faster than a Tesla, isn't it? Uh, no, not not necessarily all the Teslas, but it's it's fast, right? So I'm really excited about doing this, but the problem is, my wife is very practical. And so we got to actually pay for the thing, right? So the, they're not cheap, right? This is like a $70,000 vehicle, um, you know? And so, so she's not so excited about this idea. And so I need to figure out a way in which I can pay for this, uh, fund it, right? And so I was trying to tie this into, okay, I'm going to be driving this. I got to figure out how to fund it. And I thought today what we do is we bring in a funding expert. Maybe you can give me some tips. Uh, we're certainly going to talk about franchising and, and funding our businesses, but but I thought uh, we would kind of leverage that. Uh, maybe he can help me realize my dream of getting this super fast Mach-E. Uh, it just uh, it's so cool. So I want to welcome Eric Sheckerman to the thing uh, today, to our podcast, uh, certainly from Benetrans. You've been here before. Welcome back, Eric. Well, been here before. Matt wasn't here last time I was here either. So maybe it's me as a guest. So we'll just put that out. There. <laughs> All right. All right. Well, I, I got to tell you, I was thinking about you the other day. I know you, um, from a personal standpoint, went through and you lost a bunch of weight. And and uh, it, you, you shared your story with me at, at one point. And I thought, oh, that's that's really cool. And so that's I'm trying to get rid of the COVID-15 or COVID-20, whatever, whatever that number is, we'll round it, uh, round it down a little bit. But but this idea is that I've been working on and I'm starting to see some progress. And I want to tell you, you kind of inspired me with your story. So thank you. Oh, listen, it's, uh, I appreciate it. And, um, you know, I it was the same on my end. Somebody else told me something and then you try a little bit. And, you know, all I love it is when I hear people start trying something different and they see some results because, that's that's all it takes sometimes to start you to want to motivate change. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk a little bit about. I, I know you're a you're a funding expert, uh, Benetrends. You guys do an exceptional job of helping figure out how to, if I'm going to invest in a business, how to capitalize. And and we're in a dynamic world now. Things are changing and stuff like that. In in one of the main ways in which people uh, will fund their business is through SBA loans. And so maybe I thought you could share, and we'll we'll spend a little time going back and forth. But tell us a little bit about what's going on with SBA financing? Well, you know, what's fascinating about it is I think SBA and all different forms of funding, Pete, SBA or any other strategies, there's so much perception versus reality. And I know that's in all forms of our worlds and different categories, but in my little pocket of the funding world, I mean, just what someone thinks an SBA loan is versus what it actually is. I mean, the amount of people I speak to in a week that say, well, I'm going to do an SBA loan. Why not? The government's guaranteeing it for me. I'm like, well, actually, the government's guaranteeing the loan for the lender. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not for you. So, um, you know, there's a lot of a lot of things going on with 
SBA and the lenders that play in that space. And some of them are exciting. Some of them create more opportunities. But just like when there's more opportunities, there's some confusion because it's not standard all the time. Sure. So tell us a little bit about some of the opportunities that are, are coming along. It, it, yeah, what I mean by that is like if someone thinks about getting a mortgage, whether I'm buying a $200,000 house or a million dollar house, likely one mortgage company can do both buyers. What people often don't realize is that the small business lending world is so siloed. Some banks like chocolate, some like vanilla. Not every bank's an SBA lender. Not every SBA lender does franchising. Not every franchise lender does this loan size or this type of business. I think there are so many lenders that are getting so attracted to so many different areas of franchising, but then there's a lot that aren't and people just don't know where to go. But I mean, the explosion of service concepts in our country and that business and the way lenders have adapted their credit boxes to now go after that business has been amazing to see. So let's take a step back. So one of the things you said was, is that, you know, it's very siloed and certain banks will do SBA loans and then only certain type of SBA loans based on the industry. So is there an advantage to working with Benetrend as opposed to going to my local bank? Because you guys kind of understand where these silos are, which banks are, are playing in certain industries and like vanilla versus chocolate. Is there's a real advantage to working with Benetrends when it comes to that? I mean, I appreciate anyone that would have the opportunity that Benetrends would have the chance to work with. I would say, whether it's Benetrends or anyone else, the idea of going into your local bank to get a loan for either a small business or a franchise, I hate to say this, is gone. And that's not a negative thing. It's just to your, what we were talking about, the silos. I mean, to expect that that local lender knows why this fitness concept works in this category and all of the data and the market research of what's focused to predict why businesses will be successful. I was joking with a client the other day, Pete, um, and if you go to, and you can even see this, like I, I go on the SBA website and it lists top 100 franchise lenders for 2021. You could scroll for a good 30 seconds. You would think every name is made up. I mean, you have names of banks in there that you're like, no way, that's not a real bank or who did that. And when I say largest lenders, I mean, I'm talking 40, 50 plus million dollars, multiples and hundreds of loans. So it's just very strategic lenders that focus on certain categories. And when they get that appetite, what's exciting is they need to fill it. When they say they want to be in this business, they go all in. All right. Perfect. So let's talk about categories. So one of the things you mentioned is we're seeing a significant increase in terms of service-based businesses, right? And so are you seeing that also from the lending side that they're really embracing more of the service-based businesses? Yeah. I mean, I would never accuse the the, the lending industry to be the, the, the quickest to turn on a dime. What I would say is that Lenders that a year ago I put a package in front of for a service-based business that said no, now all of a sudden it's like, it all depends. Let me take a look at this. Um, You also see different lending options coming into play or the way lenders will structure it. So, for example, leasing of equipment. That whole industry has typically been based off of big equipment, fitness, food, large ovens, refrigeration, big fitness equipment, the big box gyms. I mean, now I have equipment leasers that will come in and say, oh, your 
you're buying an insulation franchise or you're doing a, you know, construction type franchise or you have this, it's equipment that they can lease that is collateralized for them that is typically coming in at a lower interest rate than an SBA loan, um, about a two to three two to three week funding timeline. Um, I mean, really, or someone's combining it where they're doing that, but now they don't have to include that amount in the SBA loan. Sure. Now it becomes a little less riskier for the lender because they're just doing working capital and somebody else has the equipment. So it's really been exciting to see the adaptation of the lending world to the franchise environment. And, and do you help your clients do that? Meaning that, so for example, if I'm investing in a service-based business, I want to do an SBA loan, but I also want to do equipment leasing. Do you help facilitate both of those? Yes. I always like to say, um, you know, a funding partner, what we do at Benetrends, our goal is to be the quarterback. Um, we love it when a product that a candidate needs is something that we have most of our hands on, but we're also not selfish or naive enough to think that we can do everything. So if somebody said, if we, we realize you might be better off doing a home equity line of credit, that, that's not us, but here's the best way to go. Sure. We have these three or four equipment leasing firms, just like we're not the bank in the SBA world. We're matching candidates to the banks that have an appetite for their opportunity, same thing. Oh, you're, you're doing this business? I know an equipment leasing firm that has a specific appetite for that type of equipment. And we're facilitating that transaction. Okay. So the industry is evolving, right? So we now see that rates are, interest rates are starting to, they're taking interest rates off, right? And it looks like we're going to be at this for a while um, over the next year and a half or whatever it sounds like. So my question for you is with these increased rates, does that impact my ability to, to get a loan uh, out there? Uh, what's what's going to be the impact with these rate increases? Yeah, you know, I, I've always had an interesting thought on the, uh, the, the prime interest rate as it relates to small business lending. Number one, I, I get accused of making a joke a lot right now since we do see that it's going up. And uh, yes, the Fed increased it a quarter of a point last week. Um, they, in every article I read, predicted probably about five or six more quarter of a percentage hikes this calendar year. Um, but I've always said in my 10 years in this industry, the average prime has usually been between four and a half to five, if not above five. So I say prime's not going up. You've just been getting a discount for the last two years. <laughs> so think, well played. All right. I, I think when people look at it that way, but I also like to remind people, to your point, Pete, of, well, what does that mean for me? Yes, is the cost of the loan going to be more on a principal and interest rate than it was over the last few years? But let's remember what prime usually is being increased for. Better market conditions, better economy, more disposable income, all these different things. Well, if I'm buying a car, maybe that doesn't help me buying a house. I'm owning a small business. I'm going to be pretty happy if I see people are joining the gyms again, going out and spending, sure. getting kids involved in the classes. And the other point is interest rates a little higher. Lender says, I can make a little bit more money off of this. I have sure. a chance to sell this loan down the road. Could bring more lenders that COVID sort of put on the sidelines for a little bit back into the mix. So they're, they could actually be buying more paper, or buying more loans. Correct. From, Correct. Oh, that's great. That's good. Well, that's good news from that standpoint. So so we're clicking along with the SBA. I know one of the ways in which people fund their business is kind of leveraging the ROPs, using their retirement dollars in a tax compliant way. So are any big changes happening there? 
No, I mean, uh, you know, it, it's one of the, the beauties of the Rob's world. Um, you know, it uses tax code and tax laws from the early 1970s. And I always joke around the Rob's really isn't much different than, you know, I'm working at Johnson and Johnson and an employee there and I have a 401k and in my 401k, I buy Johnson and Johnson stock. My, sh- my plan owns those shares and that money I use went right to J and J and they can fund their day-to-day businesses. But all a rollover is instead of funding somebody else's business, you're funding your own. Yeah. So tax law doesn't change too often. I would say that the strategies of how I see people utilizing it now, maybe a little bit where 10 years ago, I worked with a client. Um, I need to do a rollover to buy this business. Okay, done. Now it's, I need a rollover to be my equity injection to go and get the SBA loan. And that's how I'm using my 20 or 30% towards the SBA loan. I need the rollover combined with other forms like an equipment lease. Um, So a lot of different strategies there. Um, And I would say not quickly, maybe one day in my career, I think that the perception reality of a Rob's, obviously in my 10 years of doing this, the common thing I get is, oh, Eric, I would never use my retirement funds to fund a business. If I use this money and the business fails, I've lost my retirement funds. And I've, in 10 years, Pete, I've actually come up with a pretty good answer to that. You know what my answer is? Yes, right. you're correct. Yeah. If you use your retirement funds and the business goes south, you lose it. Are you familiar with some other funding option that I get to use the money, business goes wrong, and I get the money back? No, but everyone, and I think when people start to unpack it and they realize I'm getting pre-tax dollars, investing it in my own business, doing this. So I think some of the needles starting to move. We're seeing more CPAs referring clients to us, lenders, financial advisors. So that was almost a viewed as almost like a competitive side of our world for a while, where now I just think they're really adopting it much more. What about that perception that it's a C-Corp? So they're just a double taxation. You know, I, I hear that all the time from people. How do you respond to that? Um, depends on my mood that day. <laughs> I think one day a client said, well, my accountant says I'm going to pay double tax. I said, you need a new account. I mean, it's not my job to educate. I mean, you spark, what I've learned is you speak to an accountant that has a hundred clients and 99 of them are individual tax returns and LLCs. Yes. He's going to say, you don't want to be a C-Corp. You go speak to a small business accountant that has Small business owners, franchise owners, clients that maybe don't a rollover, they say you never have an issue with a C corp. And really, what it comes down to, um, I always say two things happen if you pay double tax in the C corp. One, you made ridiculously too much money that you couldn't put in profit expenses, tax free contributions, and then there's still strategies there. And two, you had the wrong accountant. Um, <laughs> right. But I always, you know, the example I use, and this isn't a political comment, but you know. You know, President Biden goes around the country and when he talks about corporate tax, what does he say? We have all these organizations that don't pay their share in corporate tax. Notice he doesn't say that they're breaking any laws. When you take out all of the expenses and the profits of the business and expenses, gains, contributions back to retirement plans, salaries, bonuses, all these different aspects, all of that's going to be taken out, not left in the corporations profit and dividends, therefore eliminating corporate tax. I tell any client, I pray that you call me and tell me that 
you had a double tax issue in your seat <laughs> because it's a good problem for us to get through. We'll find some strategies and things went incredibly well. You know, one of the things I believe Benetrends does is you guys provide a lot of extra support for the people, your clients, right? In terms of uh, business support. So is that separate you guys from others? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I mean, especially in the rollover world, I always like to make the joke that uh, there's a lot of companies that are rollover companies that because they're a rollover company do retirement plan administration and support, Mm -hmm. even though Benetrend's uh, founder, Len Fisher, was the original architect of rollover funding, and we were the first to do it, been doing it for 40 years. I still say we're a retirement plan design and administration firm that also does rollover funding. Um, I mean, we've got a hundred plus employees that are certified retirement plan specialists on staff actuary. We have our own audit department. We have our own um, corporate support uh, support department. We have the retirement plan department. Um, so yeah, I mean, I would say about 30% of our clients are not even clients that used us for a funding strategy. They just wanted to implement a retirement plan that creates exit strategies. We help people if they need to get payroll or insurance set up. We just, our slogan is for the life of your business. So So you're kind of a partner with them all the way through. Exactly. Exactly. Now, one of the things I hear more and more people talk about is using like lines against their brokerage accounts. So you're kind of, again, borrowing money uh, to yourself from a standpoint. Are you seeing more of that? So I will tell you this. One, I, I love that product for a few reasons. One, while it's not new and while about every custodian that somebody has their investment account with can do it, nobody really knows about it for some reason. And when I mention it on a call, I ultimately become the smartest person that person spoke <laughs> to. They're like blown away by it. And you know, we've talked about rollovers. It's a big part of what Benetrends does. I could get in any room and say why a rollover is better than 15 different funding strategies. Pete, I would struggle selling it against a portfolio loan if the client had the assets to support it. The idea that I'm not liquidating my investments, they stay where they are, still earning their seven, eight, nine percent or whatever. I'm getting a line of credit against them, which most times I've seen people are getting at a below 4% interest rate. I'm only paying interest on what I'm using. God, it's uh it's it's a pretty now listen, not everybody has the right portfolio to do it. Sure. But uh, what a snazzy way to fund a business! Yeah, so if you got a, if you got a good portfolio, that's a that's an avenue to to take, right? I would so, say that most times that you want to see a portfolio that's at least in that hundred and fifty to two hundred plus thousand dollar range. Sure. Um, and I've seen people where again they might combine it with other forms. They might fund it with a rollover to do the initial setup, and what they ultimately look at the line of credit on the portfolio to be. It's like their working capital because it's yeah. a low interest line of credit. I pay it up. I pay it down as I need it. Is that the same way a lot of people are using home equity lines to also do that kind of stuff? It's literally the, this, the way I tell someone what a portfolio loan is. I say, think of a home equity line of credit, but instead of using the home as collateral, you're using your portfolio as collateral. But to your point, I am seeing a ton. And that's what I love about the funding world. Things change. Four or five years ago, I would never say to somebody, if you can do a home equity line of credit versus an SBA loan, I would do the home equity line of credit every day of the week. That that phrase comes out of my mouth pretty often right now, because in the SBA environment, 
on a lot of the loan sizes that are over $150,000 or it's a brick and mortar business, the bank's going to take the home as collateral in the SBA loan. Yeah. So do I want the bank to take my home as collateral and pay a six and a quarter percent range right now that's only going up that I'm paying principal and interest on? Or I'll go leverage it at 4% of my HELOC. I'll gladly be the one that collateralizes that and do it that way. So uh, those are all different strategies we're seeing. Good. Are you seeing any other additional funding strategies out there, new funding strategies? Anything new, I wouldn't say scares me. I would say that there's a lot of different options that are out there. I mean, I haven't had too many on the the liquidating Bitcoin side. I haven't had anything. Sometimes there's these personal lines of credit that there's people offer out there. Um, Just like anything else, I always tell people, how did you select the franchise that you worked with? You spoke to the company, you spoke to owners, you saw it, you felt it, you understood why it was there. I don't think funding should be any different. Just because you said something on a website or spoke to a talented salesperson, talk to somebody that used that funding strategy, talk to the people that are involved in the business, um, and then it will be an easy decision once you do that research. So it's maybe not about a whole new kind of way to do it, but it's now people using different combinations of funding strategies to, to, to get to where they need to go. Yes. It's, you know, it, it just constantly adapts. Like I said, five years ago, it wasn't HELOC, it was SBA. Now I would probably say HELOC over SBA people on the rollover. I think that perception starting to change a little bit. Plus with that great, um, resignation and people that have spent their lifetime in corporate, one of their largest assets is that retirement plan and yeah. people looking to leverage that. And the, probably the big thing I'm seeing, if there's a trend, is those exiting corporate executives using those funds to build the business for their children. Yeah. To so do the business for the children, legacy. invest in them, do it together. Um, that's a huge trend that I'm seeing. Yeah, I mean, I, I when I'm working with executives too, they they want to just use that experience they've had uh, leading organizations, building businesses to build their own, so that they can be in control of their lives and and build something for their their wealth uh, for their family. So absolutely. absolutely. Well, you know, it is always great speaking with you, and it's so exciting the things that you guys are doing to help people become business owners. And uh, you got to be very proud. Uh, you're making an impact in people's lives by helping them create funding uh, options to do what they need to do to take control of their destiny. I wouldn't do anything else. I even tried for a period of time, and I came right back. So, uh, all right, I love what so- we do. So next time we're on together, because I'm going to bring you back, I'm going to be, I'm going to, I'm going to have lost a certain amount of weight. So I'm going to credit it to you. So you can hold me accountable for that. Sound good? We're, we'll do a weigh-in once we're done here. We'll have a scale <laughs> and then we'll, we'll Oh, I don't know about that. That's getting really serious. But <laughs> All right. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking your time. Thanks for listening to the Hire Yourself podcast. For more resources, check out our website at hireyourself.com. And remember to subscribe to this podcast to receive each episode. Please leave us a rating and we'd love to hear your feedback or suggestions for topics.